and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm interior stylist Lauren Keenan. And hey there, I'm Scott Keenan. Now, most days you can find me in my studio at Lauren Keenan Home. That's my interior design and styling business, and you can check out my work at laurenkeenan.com.au. But today, I want to talk about one of the best things that you can do inside your home, other than decorate it, (laughs) and that is to cook, share, and eat amazing food and drinks. Yeah, entertaining is a big part of Aussie life and caring for our families by sharing beautiful food with them on special occasions or just whipping up something simple, wholesome and tasty during the week. Now, we love Italian food and drinks and my Facebook memories from our trip to Italy about (laughs) three years ago have been in the feed this week, uh, a very welcome distraction. So we love all types of Italian food from luscious handmade pasta, salads of roasted peaches, cheese and prosciutto, cooked slow... Slow cooked meats pesto. (laughs) Pesto, as well as uh, beautiful Tuscan red wines and cocktails like your favourite. The Negroni. And that's before we even get to the biscotti, the gelato, the tiramisu. Italian cuisine really has it all. So our guest today to bring you some Italian inspiration for your kitchen is Toddy's executive chef, Mike Eggert. Now, the original Toddy's restaurant is in Bondi here in Sydney, and they've also got a restaurant in Sydney's CBD as part of the Maryvale Hospitality Group. So Mike is widely known for this beautiful, puffy, wood-fired bread that they serve at Totties, which kind of has a cult status now. I'm surprised it doesn't have its own, like... Instagram account. It probably does. Yeah. But his love of food and Italian food and wine in particular runs really deep. It's inspiring and it's really got me thinking about a time soon, hopefully, when we can travel overseas again and enjoy what the rest of the world has to offer. Absolutely. So let's get into it. A chat with Mike Eggert on At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. You are the executive chef at Toddy's in Bondi and in Sydney CBD. And like so many other Aussies, uh, Lauren and I love Italian food. So we thought let's get Mike back on to chat about it and to uh, hear a bit more about what inspires uh, your cooking and and you in your in your life. So maybe start, mate, by telling us a little bit about, you know, how you got into food and into cooking in the first place. All right, Scott, nice to be back. Lauren, hi, nice to see you again. Great to see um, you. Yeah, cooking was a, a funny one for me. It wasn't the first path at all. Um, I was surrounded by uh, wonderful family cooks when I grew up. So my mother and my grandmother were both great cooks, more in the, my grandmother's Irish heritage and, you know, so it wasn't um, – explorative cooking in any sense of the word. It was, you know, very classic English style, but they were great exponents of it. And I, I remember many a, a great time sitting around at my grandma's house or at my mom's table and eating with family and friends. So that definitely instilled a, a sense of appreciation in food, but it wasn't the career I was going to choose or had chosen even when I came out of school or into university. But uh, I just sort of found a way. I did a bit of pot wash here and there, you know, jumped in as a kitchen hand did a bit of cooking. Gradually, the kind of seed grew within, and eventually, I I took a, a chance. That's a good. And, that's a good analogy. Given you were going to be, you were studying environmental science. <laughs> yeah, well, it was um, very left field, really. And I was just sort of exposed to kitchens, I guess, as I was doing university. And you know, most people, or some people, take other part time jobs and work in bars and all that sort of stuff. But I picked up a bit of cafe work and ran in circles where I got to meet chefs and had some friends that were very good chefs and. Eventually, I just kind of took a bit of a punt and I really loved it. So, yeah, sort of stumbled across the role, really. 
Is it true that one once you were working as a kitchen hand at a restaurant cafe and a couple of the chefs didn't turn up for the shift or something happened and you literally had to step in and take over and manage the whole thing? Yeah, they actually got in a fight. They had a punch up and I was <laughs> That's yeah. a better story. <laughs> yeah, and one of the one of them walked out, quit, and the other one was not allowed to work anymore because he started the fight. So um it was a absolutely no choice. So I just had to jump in there and cook and uh, it was a cafe style thing. And I just remembered, you know, being absolutely scared out of my mind. And then, you know, it was sort of seven o'clock in the morning. And the next time I looked up, it was one o'clock in the afternoon and just thought, well, that was a rush, you know, so, uh, and I was pretty hooked. You've always been really innovative with your approach to cooking and the types of food and flavor combinations that you're known for. Um, am I right that your first restaurant, Pinbone, was known for some really interesting and fun menu items like chocolate crackle with chicken liver parfait as a starter? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's true. It's 100% a dish that we did do. And I'm not sure if I'm proud of it, embarrassed about it, or would ever recreate it, to be honest. <laughs> um, if I'm really honest, like I've never been the the best trained chef. I don't have the technical skills of some of the other chefs and a lot of cooking sometimes can be luck. And I'm quite lucky to have a palate that resonates with a very large percentage of the population. And sometimes that's just luck. And, you know, there's Mm. definitely more skilled chefs out there that, you know, wield a knife or cook on in a pan or roast better than I I could I could ever do and I never had that longer training I was more of just a freestyle kind of you know so what, what is it is it feel is it flavor like what's the thing that that you sort of tap into then when you cook if it's not a technical thing well it's definitely taste you know and, and then it's definitely feel and I, I probably my greatest strength is my mind you know I, I think a little bit obscurely and then, as I said, I'm lucky to have a palate that people kind of resonate with. So I can't. I used to, when I was a lot younger, come up with a lot of weird and wild combinations. If I thought they tasted like crap, I wouldn't use them. But if I thought they were interesting and unique, I would put them out there and put them forward. And I So you mean like with- the, the maple, bacon and pumpkin tart? Because that's the other one that you are really well known for. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that, that sounds that was, amazing. Yeah, it does. <laughs> that was really good. But it's a little bit offbeat, right? Was that like, how did you come up with that? Well, that was a funny story. That was a real kind of just spare of the moment thing. And we had some leftover pumpkin from a staff meal the day before we had bacon. We were going to do a cafe um, with Pinbone. We decided that the business model would be four nights as a restaurant and then one day on Sunday doing a cafe. And that was more arrogance than anything because I was really sick of going to cafes and getting just the worst food you've ever eaten. You know, and I just <laughs> refused to accept that it was impossible to get only good coffee or only good food. And it just seemed at the time that nobody could ever master the two skills and they could never give you just a, a good breakfast and a good coffee. Um, and so we kind of just wanted to throw the gauntlet down because we were like, well, this isn't our full-time job. This is just something we're doing as a, you know, a one-off occasion. And then we opened Pinbone and we got really kind of busy, obviously. And it was the first weekend coming to the Sunday. And we, myself and Gemma, who was the other head chef at the time, looked at each other and were like, we actually haven't come up with anything that's interesting at all or different. And we just happened <laughs> to have some puff pastry from a dessert we were doing in the restaurant. We had some pumpkin from staff meal. We had bacon. We threw some maple syrup on it just because who knows why. Baked it. It was amazing. And then that became a signature dish. And it was, you know, and I think the best creations are those, you know, haphazard on the fly, use your instincts kind of numbers. And you don't need to do that in professional kitchens you know, on, on their own either. You can do that at home, right? 
Oh, absolutely. You know, taking the taking the pantry challenge is one of the greatest things in life, you know, and looking at what you've got just kicking around in the pantry or the fridge or the bottom of the, you know, the, the salad crisper and putting something together. And, you know, look, if it's terrible, you can always call Uber and get yourself a burger. But if it <laughs> works, then you've created something amazing. Scott definitely needs a recipe, but I'm much more the let's see what we can make tonight kind of person and um, and try and, yeah, whip something up with uh, what's in the cupboard. But sometimes successful, sometimes not so much, but give it a go. You learn, you learn a lot from the unsuccessful ones as well, you know. You they do, still teach yeah. you a lot. <laughs> now, the food at Toddy's has a much more uh, traditional feel to it. It's really wholesome and fresh and lots of great flavours. Has anything changed in you to go down that path or have you always loved that style of cooking? I've always been an appreciant, like uh, appreciative of Italian food. I always thought it was just, you know, a fantastic cuisine. I, I love eating Italian and, you know, there's been fantastic Italian chefs through Sydney and I've been fortunate enough to travel and go to Italy, you know, three or four times. And when you come away from eating in Italy, it's time, you, you have a new respect for the way you should do food. They're, they're so comfortable in what they serve and how they serve it and they understand that it's it's just one part of a meal. It's, you know. It's not everything, you know, and I read a book once and there was a saying from a, an old uh, Italian lady, like female chef, and, and she said, uh, Italian food that looks really good would have tasted better five minutes ago. And I always thought that was a great <laughs> thing. It's so uncomplicated though, isn't it? Italian food is so simple and yet I don't know how they do it, but they just pack tastes so much flavor amazing, into it. It yeah. tastes mm-hmm. amazing, but it, it's never, ever complicated and that's what we love about Italian food. It definitely takes a brave cook or chef to serve simplicity. There's nowhere to hide. There's no bells and whistles. You know, there's no smoke and mirrors. You have to stand behind the product. So, you know, it starts with your suppliers. It starts with the ingredients. And then it, it comes back to the cooking skills. And I think that, you know, as I got older as a chef, I really appreciated the, the art in just simple cooking. You know, if you want to serve caccia pepe, you better make bloody good pasta and you better have fresh cracked pepper every time and you better have the best parmesan cheese or pecorino whichever one you choose and you better get your ratios right and you better be you know right on the money because there's nowhere to hide and you know i think that's pretty cool i I like that side of italian food a couple of years ago we had a great trip to italy and we stayed in this little inn in tuscany and there were towns around it but you had to obviously drive to get there so if you wanted to have a, a glass of wine or whatever it made it hard but they had an amazing restaurant at this inn and there was no choice they put the menu up on a blackboard in, at breakfast and they said let us know if you'll be joining yeah. us for dinner do you want to come do you want to four come? dishes um, <laughs> that's it here's the menu if you like the sound of it let us know we'll, we'll cook for you tonight and it was such a lovely experience because it was just it was like being at someone's house and they were cooking for you but the food was just exceptional and there was an old guy there who poured very large pours of wine <laughs> um, probably too large but it's just that Italian hospitality it's you know it's it's unlike any Anywhere else in the world, I think. Yeah, it's like a big warm hug, isn't it? You know, and uh, mm. I think so much about Italian cuisine and Italian culture is just about that, you know, acceptance and bringing people in and, and making them feel like part of the family. And, you know, that's what we try to replicate at Toddy's. It's got to be about comfort. It's got to be about, you know, what makes people feel good. And it's got to be a joyous occasion. You know, cooking should be that. It, it must be that, you know, and if you're not doing that, you're you're missing out on the best part, really. You know, if you if you're running a totalitarian kitchen where, you know, you 
degrading your staff and putting people down and berating your weight staff and putting your ego on a plate. Style. Yeah, I mean, look, even Gordon changed, you know what I mean? Like, you know, someone slapped yeah, him around enough to realise, yeah, got a holder. But, you know, like if you're putting your ego on a plate as opposed to a good bowl of pasta, then you're not serving the right thing. Yeah, and it doesn't mean to say that there isn't technique in, in that type of cooking. And people think mm. about French cooking as being really technique-driven, but you you could not do what you're doing without you know the knowledge of like you said the, flavors. the you know the flavors but this you know a simple dish like there is technique behind how you make that pasta and how you put it together with the cracked pepper and the pecorino and just bring it all together for that you know the perfect pasta oh absolutely and it's such a great kitchen to run because it offers a really like clean and beautiful way to train the chefs all start with how to learn cook the bread you know and and that's starts with how to keep a wood fire oven running the little bit of science behind having a burning log and having a hot floor and having embers and you know when to have oxygen and when not to and you know how old your dough is and if it needs to come out of the fridge you know half an hour before you cook it or right when you want to cook it and so all those little things just get missed because when it hits the table it's just a bit of wood-fired bread but you know we hope that we're imparting a lot of knowledge onto our our chefs and I think that, you know, it's a nice kitchen to learn because, you know, then we teach you how to make pasta from scratch and we teach you how to cook it properly and we teach you the importance of seasoning and it underpins our entire restaurant really is, you know, cook really well, season really well and then sit back and let people enjoy it. And you said you'd been to Italy three or four times. Where have you been and where was your favourite place in Italy that you've been? It's hard to pick, I I know, so many wonderful places. I've been to many cities. I've done like driving tours and I had – a beautiful time in Rome. I, I think Rome for me is is always hard to beat. There's just so much great food there. I have a really dear friend called Katie Parler who is a cookbook author and she always takes me out and shows me just the best times. And I always feel I'm missing out on life by not living there, to be honest, because of the way they live and the way they celebrate food. And, you know, just each day is just such a celebration for them. Piemonte is pretty hard to beat and, you know, Bologna is pretty phenomenal. Um, last trip I went to the, the islands around Sicily um, with a very dear friend and, you know, that was an experience in itself just to go to Sicily and uh, to see this sort of the culture and the food but also the people that you're with. You know, I was with a very dear friend, my friend Amanda. Hi, Amanda. And we had a great trip and, you know, those sorts of things, they just stick with you for life and, you know, when you recreate a pasta dish or cook an entree that you've been inspired by it brings back memories of sitting on the coast and drinking wine and you know eating olives and you know sharing a conversation Wishing you were there <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely is, is there any particular <laughs> is there any uh, particular food experience that you've had there that that sticks with you like an amazing restaurant in a beautiful location is there something that sticks out to you that you can recommend to our listeners Oh, absolutely. Like in, in Venice and sadly, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Harry's Bar because it's closed, right? And it was always, Harry's Bar was just the epitome of service to me. Like, you know, going there for a, you know, blini and a chicken sandwich and sitting on the canals was just just something out of this world. And sadly, it's gone now. I'm not sure if anyone's going to bring it back, but it's not going to be the same people. So that's really sad. Sicily, this trip, I was staying in a little stone kind of cabin and the lady that was just the airbnb host when we got there asked if we brought provisions and i was like oh no like we just we're gonna go to town and she was like oh no it's a it's a it's a town holiday or something you know there was something going on and we were it's like always oh, yeah. a town holiday in italy yeah. when you there's like yeah. a, some massive holiday or something and she invited us for dinner and she made this eggplant pasta which was 
out of this world. And like, I mean, you would call it Alan Norma, but it wasn't. She wood fire roasted the eggplants and she scraped them out and she picked a tomato off the vine from a tree. And she, you know, it was like, she was, you can't recreate a dish like that. So the, the best memories for me are dishes that I would love to recreate, but acknowledge that it's about the time and the place. It's about the, you know, it's about the Tuscan sun or it's about the Sicilian coastline or it's about the seven bottles of red wine you've drunk. You know, it you can't recreate them, you know. Yeah, definitely. And, and what do you like to cook, cook at home then when you're when you're not traveling? Because we haven't been able to. What's what are your go-to dishes? Look, if I'm gonna cook at home, it's generally for friends. So I like to bust out the barbecue, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it adds an element of conversation. I like the, the sort of the focal point. I like people gathering around. I use wood fired uh, barbecues just because I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. And and then I keep it really simple. You know, a, a couple of classic salads, and then just grill meat and just enjoy the conversation and you know i think the biggest trick to having people overall cooking at home is to not tie yourself down to doing too much cooking you know i want to see my friends i want to hang around i want to drink i want to party i want to eat so i don't want to be slaving over hot stoves um if it comes to a special occasion like christmas i'm a big fan of christmas i i get pretty excited by it but i do think it's worth investing in dishes that you pre-prepare so you know making stolen bread or making fruit mince pies or you know doing things in advance so that on the day you can just have a good time but you still get to sort of wow people knock their socks off but there's very little cooking done on the day sounds like a good way to go about it it's a bloody good tip (laughs) Um, so in your kitchen then, what are the, we've asked this of a couple of other chefs and cooks we've had on the, on the show. If you had to have three staples in your kitchen pantry and they don't have to be like, you know, flour oil and salt or whatever, three things that you have to have in your pantry, what are they? Yeah, that's, that's an easy question. I reckon. Yeah. So I reckon to start with context wise, if I am cooking just for myself or me and my partner, it's usually late at night or it's quick, it's on the fly. So I think a really good selection of condiments is just a must, you know, and there's very little that cupy mayonnaise, sriracha, a good mustard can't fix. Even if you've just got takeout and it's just horrible, if you cover that thing in sriracha, (laughs) it'll taste pretty good. So um, Taste it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you've got to have good condiments. Um, You know, if you making a quick sandwich or something like that. And that includes good butter. Like I think butter is a condiment and don't skimp on butter, you know, pay for good butter, go for good dairies, sustainable dairies and good delicious butter. Like it just makes everything better. There's nothing like the late night meal of just something toasted with butter. It's just a classic. Really good dried pasta is another one that's worth having. I like dried egg pasta, but semolina pasta is also beautiful. But for me, a really nice dried egg pasta just allows you to do very little and you've got a really nice meal. A luxury item I think is quite really nice to have a fridge full of just the best anchovies you can afford. You know, there's yes. you know, yeah. Yes. If you you either love anchovies or you don't. House. Oh, really? You're not an anchovy fan, yeah. Lauren? Oh, not on a pizza. I can't I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. If it's in something and I and I don't see its little, you know, little shape on the pizza, then I'm okay. But <laughs> the, the anchovies that you serve at Toddy's just with oil. You devour the whole uh, lot, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and see that for me is a whole meal, isn't it? You come home, put a piece of toast on, slab on half a block of peppy say butter and a tin of anchovies, and that's the perfect <laughs> meal, you know. So good, mate. <laughs> Three really yummy uh, items there in your kitchen pantry. What about what about booze staples? Because Italian food's had a bit of a renaissance um, and – 
you know, I feel like Italian booze as well is something that's really kind of come to the fore, you know, classic Negronis and mm-hmm. um, those types of drinks. What, what are your booze staples that you have at home? Yeah, well, there's a lot. And during COVID, there's less. Um, I have a very large booze bill. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be friends with Giorgio Di Maria, who does Giorgio like fun wine. And he imports just what I think is some of the best Italian wine in the world. Uh, but along with that, he has things like um, uh, vermouths and stuff, you know, so like um, yep. that you can put over ice. So he has one called, a, it's called Americano, and it's just a red liquor. It looks a little bit like your. Um, or any of your classic Italian red Campari style Campari's, um, yeah, kind of things. But this one's a bit different, and I would go through bottles of that. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm definitely a wine person. I'm not so much of a spirits person in my own house. I, you know, I'll leave yep. that to the, the occasion. I love a good martini. I love a beautiful whiskey, but I, I can't be trusted to have that stuff at my house. I'll take away the novelty <laughs> by drinking too much of it. But, um. And then, you know, I've pretty much got drinks, home delivery, you know, natural wine on speed dial as well. So um, they bring me a whole stack of booze, um, six And is it more like Aussie, Aussie style stuff or are you, are you, do you get more into the Italian varietals because of, no, you know, where, I, I, you, where I you work Italian and the food wine. that you make? Look, there's some fantastic Australian producers, obviously, and I'd love to support them as well. But I think the access we have to some of the, the really amazing, unique, one-off kind of um, natural wine producers from Italy is just phenomenal in this country. Like we're so lucky to be able to get their their wine. It's so expressive. It's so unique, super refreshing, yeah. great minerality. And, you know, there's just something amazing about being able to drink a wine that transcends, doesn't it? You just feel like you're back in Italy. So, yeah, I definitely sure hold into a few bottles of that. <laughs> And so we obviously can't travel too far at the moment, can't actually mm-hmm. travel outside of New South Wales at this point, but um, when we can travel again, what's the first place that you're going to go? Yeah, the last two trips I did was Europe and they were fantastic. Like I really, I love them, all first world country kind of style and, you know, probably overindulged, drunk too much, party too hard and, you know, enjoyed life just just the right amount, I should say. Um, <laughs> I think the next trip I'd like to go a little bit more, off the cuff it's been a pretty stressful year it's been a, it's going to be a stressful 18 months before i get to travel again so i've got my eye on bhutan or you know maybe for a couple of weeks and just sort of hit a few little villages you know i'm, I'm getting to the other side of 30 now so i might try to recreate my youth as a young 20 year old backpacker and you know see if i can still handle the you know the hard slog of carrying a backpack and walking around yeah, mountain villages. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long it'll last. Uh, and then coming out of that, I really want to go to Macau. I've always been really fascinated with Macau, and I've never had a chance to get there. So, um, yeah, I'd like to maybe do those two together. Well, there's some pretty big um, sort of high rollers in Macau. You're looking at maybe a toddy's Macau. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I am 100% locked up with Merivale. So unless Justin's planning on buying himself a small casino, I am going to put. <laughs> All my energy into Australia and all my energy into the two venues in Sydney. <laughs> you, you, you never know. And I guess that was my, my last question was, you know, what, what does the future hold? You, you know, we've had this tumultuous time. We're not out of the, uh, the woods just yet, but you've got these two beautiful restaurants in, in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Is, is that going to remain your focus, continuing to dish up, you know, beautiful Italian food to Sydney ciders? Look, I've done a lot of reading, I guess, to, to put myself in a position to be a, a head chef. And I, I always look into the sports world, you know, read books on the All Blacks, read books on some of the greatest cricket teams. And, you know, one 
constant in all those is that the best defense is a good offense. So I reckon now is the time that we should be pushing forward. And, you know, having said that, there's definitely some plans for us. We've got a third toddies that's, you know, in the can and we're looking to launch, which is the three weeds in Roselle, um, working on uh, Tel Aviv inspired um, pitter pocket type little pop-up-y kind of thing with Justin at the moment. And I've also pitched and cooked to him some pizzas that I think are pretty cool and unique, Um, very classic, um, very minimal, very cool. And there's definitely, um, we're we're a little bit down the rabbit hole as far as building a little pizzeria as well. So, yeah. Because there's not a lot of pizza in the Maryvale kind of um, suite of restaurants, is there? There's a little bit at Coogee and I'm not sure where else, but. So there's a there's a, a wonderful chef that we have in the group called Vincenzo and he does like Vinny's Pizza and they have little satellite ones that do a phenomenal job, you know, very Neapolitan style. There's Coogee, Newport, Coleroy, like they do them in the pubs. Um, but this is a bit of a different offering that I, I've pitched to Justin and he's quite excited by the style. So, you know, I, I try to rely on my mind and my brain and these are things that I've never done before and there'll be challenges and they'll be really exciting for me. So I'm I really want to push myself and, you know, always keep evolving. Well, really exciting things to come by the sound of it. And we're going to be keeping an eye out to see uh, what happens in the next sort of six to 12 months. And then hopefully we see some of these things that you're talking about. Thank you. I, I really hope we get to do more and more openings. I hope everybody in the whole industry gets to open. I think it's a fantastic yeah. time for young people to just throw their hat in the ring and just have a crack. Have a you know, there'll be, there'll be empty spaces. There'll be leases up for grabs. I think go for it. Get your savings. And just, you know, the, the general public in Sydney want to come back out. So, you know, when it's time, roll the dice, gamble, back yourself and have fun. So, mate, thanks for sharing your stories and a little bit about, uh, you know, your, your travel and your food. We, we really appreciate it. And it was um, great chatting with you. We can't wait to come and eat with you again soon. Great to have you back in the restaurant. Thanks very much again for having me on. Well, it was a total pleasure talking to Mike and it was a little while back there and there's been some more closures for his restaurants in Sydney since they reopened uh, earlier in the year. That's right. But look, they're always working on something new. And at the moment, Toddy's Bondi is running a weekend bakery that just looks amazing where you can get breakfast pizzas with egg and prosciutto on his amazing wood-fired bread. I'm only wishing that um, that was in our local LGA, so if you take a trip there. Um, And there are also reports that a new outpost could be opened in Byron Bay, where Maryvale has bought an old bar and a backpacker's hostel in town. Yeah, the Maryvale brand keeps expanding, but it's good for the people of the North Coast because they'll get to experience toddies, which we've been enjoying for years. That's right. And if you're looking for more travel and food inspo, you can check out some of our favourite photos from our Italian trip that I was talking about a couple of years back at laurenkeenan.com. Just click on the stories tab. Yeah, and get in touch if you're looking for help with styling in your home or if you're working on plans to build a new home or renovate the one you're living in. It could be a new kitchen or bathroom. Maybe you need new furniture in your bedroom and living room. Or maybe you're looking for a brand new colour scheme for the exterior of your home. That's right. All you have to do is just hit me up on the contact page at laurenkeenan.com.au and I'll get right back to you. Now, make sure to follow the show wherever you listen to your podcast. We're going to be dropping episodes every two weeks on Saturday morning, so you've got something nice and fresh and fun to listen to on the weekend. And coming up next, we've got some great tips on how to choose the right rug for your room. Sounds simple, but 
There are some rules you got to follow. There are. You'll find out next next episode. <laughs> well, that's it for the show today. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle, and interior design. Bye.